Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. He is good. That's, that's a matter of fact. He is good. He's good all the time, isn't he? He's good when we don't think he's good. He's good. Today, we are continuing with our series on the road in a biblically successful marriage. Rose in a biblically successful marriage. I didn't say just rose in a marriage, but a biblically successful marriage. That's very important. Very important because we have, um, we have marriages that are uh, from the outside, um, they, they look really good in society, but it doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. We have marriages that, that uh, people have been married for 60 years uh, because they got married when they were 20, 19, 18, or whatever, and they're celebrating their 60th anniversary. Uh, and it doesn't have anything to do with Christ. But, um, so we have marriages, but I'm not talking about that. It's only one thing that's going to stand the test of time when we stand before Jesus Christ, and that's what we did with Jesus Christ, what we did for Jesus Christ, what we did uh, really because of him. And if our marriage is not based on him and doing things for him, it's not going to last. It'll be burned. So that's what we're talking about today. And we have talked about the roles of the male. We did four messages on that. And this uh, last Sunday, we started on the roles of a, of a wife in a biblically successful marriage. And if you missed any of those messages, they are online. Uh, I think it's cornerstonelynchburg.com. You can, you can uh, click on media and you can catch any of the messages that you missed. Also, we, we had a foundation series on marriage that also, uh, based on our Genesis, we started there because until you have that basic foundation, you're not going to be as successful biblically as we want to be. So that's what we've been talking about. Now, I exhorted the ladies last time. I know you felt really exhorted, and that's the, that's the purpose that I did for uh, the men for four messages, and we'll have three messages for the women. Uh, I think uh, three messages, I think, that'll, that'll do it. And this time is just the second message, and the second message is based on just a, let's say a, not a warning, but a exhortation for the women uh, because I don't think you know how important you are. I really don't think you know how important you are. I said how important God said you were uh, last week. We, we, I mean, we, we, uh, we did that, and God says you are very important. But I still don't think you know how important you are, wives and women, to be married sooner or later. Now let's um, let's talk about just a little about about that because I was I was praying uh, about the, the the message and I could have, which I've never done in 16 years, but uh, 18 years, uh, but I could have uh, just put the message down. I could have put the message down last week, what I was going to do this week, because I already had a flow of what, what we're going to do. But how many of you know that God? doesn't work that way. And in other words, he sometimes changes things. 
Uh, a lot of times he changes things. When we get familiar, when we think that we know the answer, see, and we, we, we don't uh, honor him to go to him for things, see, he will mess up what you think your plans are. Yeah, you'll mess them up. And, and of course, it, it's all in the Bible. Uh, one time, David, I guess they, they defeated uh, the Philistines, and, and then uh, he said, well, hey, uh, I know what we do. We, go, we, we, we can go out the same way. No, no, no. We're going to pray first. And God had him to do something entirely different the next time. They were coming out the same way against them, but he had him to do something entirely different. And that's what we always want to do is seek God. He wants to be so. He doesn't want to be taken for granted. So let's start there. Uh, when I was praying, this is what I got for the women. Before I get, give another role for you is to tell you how important you are in a marriage. How important you are. And for the women who are not married yet, you are very important starting now preparing for what God has for you because you are very important in a marriage. Men, the messages uh, every time I teach on the women, it's going to be for you too. And because every time I taught the men's role, it was for the women too. You have to know that a wife is very important. Very important. Now, what do I mean by very important? I mean that a wife has great, and I mean great, great, great underline, underscore, great influence in a marriage. Great. Great. I can't, un I can't overestimate it. Great. Great. You're great. Great in your influence in this marriage. Okay. Now, it, br it brought me, I mean, I was, oh, God, I don't want to cry here in, this, in, in, my, in my prayer time. Uh, I, I thought it was just a, uh, just a, you know, going through the motions, you know, I'm going to pray an hour, you know, and, and then, then I'll write down what I already know to do. And this is what I got. <laughs> you know, don't go there yet. This is important. Let them know that they have great influence in that marriage. Okay? Dwell on it. Impress it to them. So let's go to scripture, which you know that I'm going to do, uh, because this is God's word. In, in a marriage, we can look from Genesis to Revelation, and that's what we are We'll just go, we won't do a Genesis of Revelation, but we're going to do some very important. Let's start in Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, if we look at the first marriage, the first marriage, how important was Eve in this marriage? How important was she? How much influence did Eve have. This is Genesis chapter 3. This is where we're at. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. How much influence does she have? Did she have great influence or just a little bit of influence? Great influence. Great influence. You have to know, men, which I told you before, you are responsible for protection of your wife, of your family. You're responsible for protection. Women, you are looking for someone who will protect you in your marriage. 
because we have an enemy. That, you know, the Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians, which we won't turn to, it tells us that we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rules of darkness, against the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. We are warned against an enemy we do not see. Satan and all the demonic influences that he has. And so even in the first marriage, after everything seemed to be so good, Adam was so happy, he was thrilled, he was excited, that now he doesn't have to just to hang around the animals. He didn't have anybody to talk to but the animals, so now he couldn't get, get in a response back for him but a neigh and a yay and a bark or whatever it was. And, and, and God gave him, built him this woman. He was excited. Then in the very next chapter, in chapter 3, we see the enemy coming in. Do you know, men, that the enemy is going to come against your wife? He's going to do that. Because he wants to mess up God's plan. He doesn't care anything about you. He doesn't care anything about the man. He only cares about really uh, disgracing God if he, if he could. Trying to do anything to undo what God has put into motion. So anything God puts into motion, you can believe Satan's going to try to undo it, mess it up. Okay? So it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, I wonder why didn't he say to the man? That's the way you're supposed to come in any relationship. You're supposed to go to the head. That's what you're supposed to do. I don't care if you come to a, uh, go into a workplace or come. Who is the head person? What do they, what's the protocol? And the head person might say, you go to the uh, HR, the human resource director, if you want this job. You, you, do, do, you do this or you do that. The head person is going to set the protocol, going set to the, set the standard. And God has set the standard, and he told a man that you are the head. We went through that, of course, uh, when we were talking to the man. He, the man is the head of that marriage, just like Christ is the head of the church. Is that correct? So therefore, therefore, Satan should always come the correct way. He should come to the man. That's what he should do. But he doesn't. He never will. He's always going to come opposite. He's going to come back door. Always. And that tells you something about the children, doesn't it? Because if he's going to really come back door, if you have children, who is he going to try to get to? The children. The children. And, if, and, if, and, and you know nature, you know God. If you, if, you, if you get to the children, he's trying to now get to the who? Family, because in, in who, who, who is the one that I told you is the, you know, on Mother's Day? Mother's Day message, listen to it, women. I tell you, it was a great exaltation. I tell you, women are the ones who have that nurturing. So, when he comes to the children, he's actually coming to try to get to that woman. Yeah. Because you mess with a woman's children, you are in trouble. Deep trouble. Deep trouble. You mess with her children. And that, that, that goes in any way in, in nature. You mess with the, uh, you know, <laughs> mess, mess with 
I mean, even a bird. Try to mess with the eggs. You know? So, so that's what Satan tries to do. Then he says in verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that, the, that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. I wonder, was he blind? And he probably didn't, you know, because sometimes, you know, you, you didn't get much sleep, you know, and your eyes, maybe he, got, maybe he got some dust in his eyes or something. He couldn't see that this was the wrong fruit. You know, she's giving, giving me fruit from the tree that God uh, said don't eat from it. He wasn't blind, was he? He didn't have no dust in his eyes. How important was this woman? Why did he do this? Why did he do this? God told him that you don't eat from this tree. You know Adam told Eve that she wasn't to eat from this. Why did he eat? She has great influence, doesn't she? Great influence. Great influence. Uh, There's not much that a man won't do if he gets the influence from his wife. Not much. I'm telling you. Women, you're uh, influential in a marriage. Right? You say, well, no, I don't have much influence in my marriage. Oh, you know, you have him. If he, if he married you, you have some, some influence. I'm telling you, you have influence. God made it that way. And I believe that Adam, here is this woman who, I mean, he's excited about her. I wonder what he thought, because it doesn't say, if I don't eat this, she has already eaten from it. Because it says she took from his fruit and ate. God has said, in the day that you eat of it, you're going to what? Die. Now, I wonder did he understand exactly that he was going to fall dead? Or was it he's going to die spiritually? I don't believe Adam knew. And most of the time when somebody tells you you're going to die, You think you're going to die, and you think you're going to die right now. Let the doctor tell you you're going to die. And you say, oh, my goodness gracious, how long do I have? That's the first thing you ask. How long do I have? I'm, I'm thinking that Adam is thinking here, she ate, she's going to die, I'm going to be left alone, back with the animals, nobody to talk to. I just soon die too. You think she, you, you, do you think she has that much influence over this man? Or do you think, you think he said, she ate, she's going to drop dead. I'm going to watch it. Let's see what she's going to drop dead, you know? No, I don't think so. I think that man was, was you know, I think he was, oh, no, oh, my goodness gracious, oh, no, he don't eat it. She ate it, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, the Romeo and Juliet, right? 
She has great influence. I'm telling you, great influence. Look what God says in verse 17 of the same chapter. Now, you know, he, 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 he came to the, uh, to the man. God always comes the right way, doesn't he? He came to the man. Adam, where are you? He, he comes the right way. Okay, so then he pronounces the, the judgment on, of course, the, the serpent and on the, on the woman. Then he says, and then to Adam he says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree. Now, what do you think he meant? Do you think he meant that you are not supposed to listen to the voice of your wife, Adam. No. Because he knows they are partners in this relationship. You know, he's not saying that. But what is not said, what he meant, would be, because you have listened to the voice of your wife instead of listening to what I said, in other words, there's a contrast here. Because you know he wants us to, he wants Adam to listen to his wife. He wants men to listen to the wife because wives are, are that which completes the man. We are partners in this relationship and she has wisdom. Uh, we have wisdom together. We are in need of each other's gifts and wisdom and all those type of things. So we have to listen to one another. And so here he's saying that, but you can't do it if I told you to do something different. And she's telling you to do something. You can't do that. Let's go to another. Women, you are of great influence in a marriage. Great influence. You have to know that now. You have to know that. Because if you don't know that, you are going to make a mistake and say something you shouldn't say, do something you shouldn't do, because you're not thinking how much influence you have in the whole scheme of what God has. Do you know that you can make a break? that marriage. You can make or break that, those children. Do you know that, well, I'm sure you know that the scripture says uh, in, in, in uh, Proverbs, it says that the wise woman, this is Proverbs 14, verse 1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucks it down, the King James said, or tears it down, the New American Standard would say, with her own hand. That's Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Do you think that means that a woman goes outside and starts taking the bricks apart, you know, with a, with a hammer or something? No. doesn't have anything to do with that house physically. We're talking about this spiritual house. The spiritual house. That's very important. A wise woman, the wise woman, builds that spiritual house. But a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Women, you are very influential. I mean, very influential. God wants to know. Let's look at another woman. Let's look at Sarai. Uh, Before she was named Sarah. Abraham's wife. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 16. Uh, is very important. Very important. Verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had
had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. After Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Abraham's wife Sarai gave, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband, Adam, as a wife. Now, do you think she would have given him uh, Hagar for a wife if she was already having children? No. A woman not going to share her man with anybody unless she has she, uh, children are very important. She wanted some children. Very important. Now, the, the, the thing is that uh, that wasn't God's plan, ultimately, for that to happen that way. And that's why his name was called what? Ishmael. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, it, it is very important for us to realize that what happened, let's look over in chapter 21. Let's look over there. Is that she did have a child later on and named him Isaac. And, and, and the thing that happened here is that it says, then the Lord took note of Sarai, and he said that the Lord did, uh, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son. And now when she bore the son, what happened? She saw that this person called uh, Ishmael was making fun of her son, Isaac, and she said, Abraham, get rid of this woman. And he said, she's in your hand. Do whatever you want to do with her. All right? Did Abraham say, no, you can't do that because she's my wife. I mean, you gave it to me, so she had, she, she has a son. You know, no, we can't do that. No. He's saying, whatever you say, that's what we do. And that's what they did. How much influence does Sarai have? A lot of influence. A lot of influence. I mean, we can go all the way through Scripture. Uh, and, and, I mean, women, wives have a lot of influence. Great influence. I mean, great influence. Let's take another one. Uh, let's look at one. Uh, I, I like this one in, in, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 1. Uh, uh, not chapter 1, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. I like, I like this one. Now, this is doesn't name the wives because you couldn't name them. I mean, you could name them if, you, if God gave you the names, but you'd, you'd be with me all day trying to name these, these women. It says, Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh. Now, he, he, we're talking about Moabites, we're talking about Ammonites, we're talking about Edomites, we're talking about Sidonians, we're talking about uh, Hittites. Now, the Sidonians, they also call them Phoenicians. The Sidonians, they were, all of them were wicked. The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, all of them wicked because, towards God because they uh, worshiped foreign gods. And God told the kings, do not, do not multiply horses, don't multiply women, don't multiply 
gold, silver to yourselves. And Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, he did something really foolish, didn't he? Many foreign women. And he, he justified it, I'm sure. He justified it, I'm sure, because he said, well, I'm not going to have war because everybody who I can have war with, I'm going to marry their daughter. So he had a thousand women. All of them were princesses. All of them were princesses. It wasn't just, uh, uh, he, he just wasn't just something or anybody. He had 700 wise princesses, it says, and 300, 300 concubines. There's nothing that he didn't, he, he didn't do. It says in, in verse, verse 3, it says, and his wives turned his heart away. How important are women? How important is a wife? Great influence, right? Great influence. They, they have enough influence to turn the heart of the wisest king that ever lived. Solomon had no more wisdom than anybody. Anybody could ever have, dream of having. He knew something about everything under the sun. God gave him wisdom. And his wives turned his heart away from God. Women, you are, why? I mean, you have great influence, great influence over your husband. Great influence. Great influence. Let's look at another one. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 16. Let's go there. And we have an interesting one here in verse uh, 29. A very interesting one here. You, you, everybody knows her. Uh, she's very well known. God makes sure everybody knows her. Even if you haven't read a Bible, you know her. Now Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel, and in the 38th year of king, year of Asa, king of Judah, and Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. It says that Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. Verse 31. It came about as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. He married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worship him. Now, how important is a wife? Do you know he could have turned his heart the other way? Ahab. We wouldn't know Ahab as a, as a foolish king did more evil than anybody other than Jeroboam if Jezebel would have been different. But Jezebel is a product of her, her environment, isn't she? Isn't she? See, she's a, she was a daughter of Ithbel, who was a king of the Sidonians. So that means that this princess, she, she was brought up in this household, and she just did like she was used to doing. That's what Solomon did with all those foreign women. You see? It's very important, very important to know women how important you are. Let me show you how important you are. Uh, in the scheme of things to your children. Let's go to 2 Kings. Let's go over there. 
verse chapter 8, verse 16. Let's go there. This is, I mean, when, um, it, is, it's, it is so interesting, so interesting. It's like, my God, how, how, how wonder how important the women think they are. The wives really believe that, that, that they think they just don't matter? It says now, in the fifth year of Jerem, it says that the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, being then king of Judah. So we're talking about the king of Judah. We're talking about the southern kingdom. We're not talking about the northern kingdom. Israel. We're talking about who, who was under Jeroboam who did evil, 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 because we know that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he, had, he was the one who they were going to put the tribes back together, but he listened to the young people who were with him rather than the, the elders who, were, who, who had more wisdom, and he answered according to what they said, and Israel was split from that time to now, split, two kingdoms. And so here is the southern kingdom, Judah, and Judah, Judah had the only, the only kings who did anything that's worthwhile in the Bible were kings of Judah. The kings of Israel, all of them, every single one were sinful. Every single one. Not a king of Israel was any good. And most of the ones of Judah weren't, weren't either, but some were. Okay? And so we have this king of Judah who's supposed to be pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Because we're talking about Jehoshaphat being the king of Judah, Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, became king. So we're talking about Jehoshaphat's king, uh, son. But see, Jehoshaphat did some crazy thing in his environment too because, well, anyway. Okay, now let's go to verse 17. He was 32 years old when, when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. That's not long. Eight years. I wonder why. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Here's a king of Judah walking in the ways of the king of the kings of Israel. Why? Why would he do that? Listen to what it says. Just as the house of Ahab had done. Ahab? Why? For, what does for mean? Also because the daughter of Ahab, and they could have named Ahab and Jezebel, their, their daughter, their daughter, became his, come on, say that word, wife. His wife. Oh, women, you have so much influence. So much influence. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you can say, well, his parents, his fault because he, Jehoshaphat let this thing happen because he was uh, messing around with, with Ahab and communing with him and all this kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, women have great influence. And let's, let's do one, one, one something else. You have to have strong men. You got to be strong. 
You got to protect your women. You got to protect your women. Let's go to Job chapter 2. Let's go there. Now, you know the story of Job. We've taught on the story of Job. We taught the whole book of Job. For, now, now look, look at this thing now. I've already given you some background information. Now, you know that, you know that Job didn't do anything wrong. It's just because somebody tell you he did it. He didn't do anything wrong. Job didn't do anything wrong. But God allowed Satan to mess with him. Okay? Allowed him to mess with him. And it says here in verse 9, chapter 2, Job, let's go to chapter 2, Job chapter 2, verse 9. Listen what it says here. This is Job's wife talking because, see, that now, now Job had already been given over to Satan twice now. First time, Satan wiped out everything he had. His children, all his possessions, donkeys, all his wealth, because their wealth was in animals and things like that. Oxen, all those things, camels, wiped them all out. Then he gave over to him again, and he messed with Job's flesh, put boils on him and all that kind of stuff. It says in verse 9, Then his wife said to him, Do you still, do you still, Hold fast to your integrity. Curse God and die. Now, what stood out to me is she says, do you steal? Now, he said to her, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. She said then, do you steal? Do you steal? I believe that she was very upset when her children were killed. What do you think? Very important to a woman, her children. And Job, see, Job says, where the Lord gives, the Lord takes, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you can imagine how she was when she listened to that. How would you be? When you listen to that, here's here's the servants come say, Joy, they kill all the children, every last one of them, all of them, all your children. And the husband says, The Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What would you think, women, if Addison was wiped out? Would you say, and and, and, and Jesus said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You say, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I don't believe you want to hear that. I believe that's why she said <coughs> once he was, uh, once he was, his flesh got messed up, she said, do you still hold to your integrity? Because he held to his integrity after that, after the first one. But I believe she was upset, highly upset, highly upset. Curse God and die. She didn't have a lot of sympathy for him, did she? Not a lot of sympathy for him. She could have said, well, curse God, and, and, and let me help you get well. No. No. Curse God, and die. Go commit suicide, do something. You know, get out of my face. You know? It's sad. It's 
Now, she, I said the women have influence, didn't it? Great influence. Man, you have to make sure that you, your first, your number one love, your number one love, just like I told the women last week, is God. If your number one love is your husband, and you say your number one is God, but in actuality, when you start walking out, it's actually your husband, you're going to be of the creek. Men, if you say God is number one, but your wife really is number one, she does whatever she says you do, you're going to be like, Adam, we are still suffering because of Adam, aren't we? Because of the weakness of Adam. He was so weak that he gave in to his wife in spite of what God has said, in other words, instead of what God has said. Job didn't give in to his wife in spite of what God, what he believed about God, right? Because if he would have given in to her, he would have cursed God and went out and um, died. Yeah, but he didn't. It's very important, man, to be strong. Women, it's very important to look for a man that's stronger than his love for you. He's got to be stronger than that. His love got to be for God first. His number one has to be God. Because if it's not you have so much influence, women, that you're going to turn that man any way you want to turn him. I'm telling you. And, and you don't have a, a whole bunch of men with A-type personalities, D-type personalities, that hey, you said what you want to, you do what you want to, this is what I'm doing. You don't have a lot of men like that. You have them just like you have, have women, you just, just like it is in society. We have all these different personality types. And... and, and the strongest man can be turned by his wife. So you're going to have to have a strong man, women, that God is number one. Not strong in that he's strong-willed, he does what he wants to, nobody can tell him anything. Not that kind of strength. That's ignorance. That's weakness, really. That's weakness. We're talking about strength, and strength is in humility. And, and a humble man is going to be humble himself under the mighty hand of God. Okay. That's what you got to look for. Because if you, if you find somebody that you can maneuver, you can, uh, uh, you, you're going to be maneuvering him for the rest of your married days. I'm telling you. Tell him. If you have one strong will that you can't tell him nothing about God, he does what he wants to do, you steal up the creek. Because God can't do anything with him until he humbles himself. Now, that's what God gave me to encourage you with, is that you all have so much influence, so much influence, be what God has called you to be. 
which goes right into our next role from last week. The role is, let's turn to Titus chapter 2. The role is to be reverent, be, 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 be of reverence and love your husband and love your children. That's a role that is in the Bible for women to play. That's what role God has given you to play. Not only, like last week, not only are you expected to be a helper suitable for your husband, a counterpart, that was, that was one, the number one thing I said uh, last week. And number two, I said your, your love has to be for God as number one, period. And this role is found in Titus chapter 2. Let's start in verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. He's talking to Titus. Paul is. Uh, the older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith and love, and in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior. Older women. Did it say just older women who d- never got married? No, it didn't say that. Did it? Older women. It says that older women, that means they're married, unmarried, it doesn't matter. The older women, likewise, just like what wise? Just like the older men. They be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, love, and perseverance. Likewise are to be reverent in their behavior. God expects women, you to be reverent in your behavior. Not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine. You shouldn't be enslaved to any wine, but back then I mean much wine. Teaching what is good so that they may encourage. So you got to be that way. The older women got to be that way so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands how can an older woman who never loves their husband to teach somebody how to love their husband? Won't happen with it. So you know he's not talking about people who didn't love, the older women who didn't love their husband, who hadn't done this already. He's saying that the older ones who were married, the older ones who were, who've been through all this stuff that I've taken you through, that might be, might be whatever it is, I want you to teach the younger women to love their husbands and love their children. This love is not the love that's like agape love. This love is like phileo. Okay. This, this love is like Philadelphia. This love is like uh, I love dogs. I love cats. I love chocolate. I love sweets. I love it's like that kind of love. I'm fond of, you know, that kind of love. That's what it is. Now, that is not giving you permission, wives, to be fond of your husband and not to agape your husband. Because in other places it says that we are to love all people, right? Love even your enemies. That's agape. But here, they're teaching you how to the older women teaching younger women how to be fond of their husbands, to really, to, to, to really um, love them and to love their children. 
to be sensible, the young women, not only to love your husband, not only to love your children, but to be sensible. It means self-control. Be pure. It means chaste, modest. To be workers at home. That means to be workers at home. To be, <laughs> to be, <laughs> to be kind, that's benevolent, profitable. Being subject to their own husband, not somebody else's husband, to their own husband. Subject means to be under submission, to be subject to their own husband. That's what he's teaching the younger women. Why? So that the word of God will not be dishonored. The King James might be blasphemed or slandered, be spoken of. It did not say, I want you to do that because if you don't, the man's feelings are going to get hurt. It didn't say because that's the good thing to do. It said because of the word of God. See, everything has to do with God and nothing has to do with really us. As we were singing today, God is supposed to be our everything, our center. You know, all the surroundings, everything. He's supposed to be everything. That's what it says here. So that the word of God would not be dishonored. Why would a woman want to be, want to love their husband? So the word of God would not be blasphemed, would not be dishonored. Why would they want to love their children? So the word of God won't be dishonored. Why would they want to be self-controlled, want to be pure, want to be uh, all the, so that the word of God would not be um, slandered. That's the reason why we do things, because of God's word. And God's word, wants, God's word is the first thing. It's the truth, only truth, only life that it is, the only way that it is, the word of God. Is that true? That's what God is saying to us. And I'm excited about uh, what God is saying because I know that without women, men would be up the creek. And I told you that before. We'll be up the creek. But I tell you, women, don't take your role for granted. Don't, don't take it as a, you know, just a trivial thing. Your role is very important. You are of great influence in your marriage. So that's why... Paul is telling, telling Titus, as far as you, Titus, I want you to speak that which is, which is fitting for sound doctrine. I want you to teach the older men this. I want you to teach the older women this. And the older women are supposed to uh, instruct the, the, the younger women how to love their husbands, love their children, how to be reverent, how to be chaste, how to be sensible, how to be workers at home, how to be all these things. This is what I want you to teach, that the word of God might not be dishonored. That's what I want you to teach. Because these older women realize that you're going to bring up another generation. You're going to help teach another generation how to be godly so that this word can go on and the church and uh, Christ will be magnified on the earth so that all the world can see the glory of what I have for them. And they're going to see that the marriage. 
That's the only way, that's the only way a, a, a not yet saved person are going to see the relationship between Christ and the church by looking at the relationship between a wife and a husband. Because that's what it said in, in Ephesians. That was our foundation scriptures that we we're reading from. This is a mystery, but not a mystery because I'm talking about Christ and the church. Women, you are so important. So important. God loves you, and so does your husband. He loves you. And realize that you, in, in, in you, like a single now, we have single women in here, you hold the next generation in you. You're single. Married, every child you have, there are generations, generations in those children. There are generations. Do you realize there are generations in Addison? Generations. We're not talking about just Adam, uh, Addison's generation. We're talking about everybody she's going to have, the children she's going to have, her children's children, her children's children's children. We're talking about from now to Jesus Christ come back. That's what women hold with their influence. Because women are going to have more influence on the children than usually the man. Because if that were not so, if that were not so, then Athaliah, Jezebel's daughter, would have been, uh, she wouldn't have affected anybody. As a matter of fact, Ahab and Jezebel wouldn't have affected Athaliah. But they did. Every generation, the woman affects them. That's them. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.